to the DIY Animation Show, where we get to the heart of what it means to be an independent animator. I'm Lauren Morse. And I'm Jessica Dahl. Together with our guests, we'll explore tips, tricks, the psychological, the fundamental, and above all, how to make whatever you can with whatever you've got. From the keys to the breakdowns and everything in between. The timing's right to do it yourself. Let's get rolling! missing a certain sparkly someone today. Jess is super slammed with freelance work right now and so that means I gotta do the intro and outro solo. But she sends all her best wishes and sunshine and hugs and hopes that you're doing really good. But that's okay because it means that it's just you and me. Just the two of us. Hello. How's it going? I hope it's going good, or at least about to get better, because I bring to you the second part of our interview with animation director and experimentalist, Jossie Chiritz. Woohoo! Following on from part one, which was our first conversation we recorded back in 2016, today's episode sees us catch up with Jossie earlier in this year, in 2018. Jossie had a lot of promising projects in the pipeline last time we spoke and has been up to so much in these last two years. She is one busy lady. If you follow her on Instagram or her other social media, you'll know how she's consistently playing with animation, DIYing it, following her own curiosity through it. So we couldn't wait to hang out again, pick our brains about her latest projects and soak up more of her deep cogitations on animation. So today we have a brilliant eye-opening conversation about how she handles her client work, approaches their briefs, researches topics she knows nothing about, and how animation itself is perfectly poised to broach sensitive subject matter. All the while keeping the soul of her art, that spirit of experimentation and curiosity, and ensuring her own voice is at the core of all that she does. We also talk about brain compost, of course. We also help her face her fears about analog traditional animation. And we talk about the pros of drawing badly. So it's a pretty rounded episode today, hitting all the salient points. <laughs> and with that, let's get on with the show! Jossie, it has been a little bit of time since we recorded last, and it's fantastic having you back. Thank you so much for talking with us again today. Well, thank you for wanting me to talk again. Of course. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> it was good. It was just good times all around. Yeah, yeah I remember a lot of plants and cats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's still going strong. It's not very animation related. <laughs> but it's life related. <laughs> and again, this is how an animation is true. Really, ultimately, <laughs> it's just about life. <laughs> Life, plants, and cats. That's all it (laughs) But yeah, since we last spoke with you in the last year or two, we've been seeing you produce a lot of documentary style and nonfiction work. And, you know, a couple of examples are RSA, Intensity versus Consistency. There's also CNN, Colorscope, Mm -hmm. White. I really loved that one. And then the Spot, Reporting Harassment and Discrimination at Work. I'm doing a couple more at the moment for that, actually. Oh, are you really? Yeah, that's that's what I'm working on at the moment. I'm doing... um, Two, one's what is harassment and one's what is discrimination, all in the workplace. So yeah, that's been really fun. That's really good. Yeah. Basically, they're this company, a kind of online bot, which you can use if you've experienced or if you've witnessed workplace harassment or discrimination. You can go online and record what's happened and ask you loads of questions and it kind of timestamps all your answers and it's all done in a really non-threatening way. So one of the founders of the company, Julia Shaw, she's a kind of memory scientist. I don't know if that's the technical name, but I like it. And <laughs> it sounds she, really cool. <laughs> she's 
she's done a lot of research into how do you actually discuss topics and difficult things with people and how do you get accurate memories from people so it asks all these questions and then it produces a pdf which is all time stamped with as much information about what happened as possible and then it gives people the option of just like keeping that pdf as a document in case they ever want it or sharing it with their company or sharing it with an individual you can be anonymous or you can use your name publicly with the people that you speak to basically it's just a way of trying to actually get people to report when they're harassed because so many people are but so many people do nothing about it but obviously they're tricky topics so I'm trying to explain with obviously their guidance exactly what counts as harassment and exactly what counts as discrimination and how do you know and and when is it time and things like that so Mm. it's a really nice thing exactly the sort of thing to you know show with an animation I think it'd be really hard to show with live action yeah yeah I think that'd be really difficult with live action animation is capable of doing so many things and express such abstract concepts and what I'm really curious about is how how do you broach a topic like that or even begin animating something like that because so that is such a serious topic a really fantastic one but yeah how would you sensitively approach these things i think i kind of have two two creative approaches when i get topics i think the first thing is when i'm working with a difficult subject like that and i've got a couple of projects coming up which are going to be slightly more sensitive subjects i think i'm already in a good place because animation lends itself really well to tricky topics it's as you said it's abstract and it's in a way it's faceless so you can relate but you also don't have to doesn't have to become too personal mm. but I think I try not to make things too specific and I also keep a fairly light tone in most of my work where possible for example even my degree film which I did quite a few years ago it was exploring slightly tricky topics and mental health and um, that anxieties was a, that was fractured um, wasn't it fractured yeah that's the one but there's elements of it being kind of not taking itself too seriously. And I think that's how I've approached these ones. I don't ever want to mock any problems and I want to respect that they are actually problems. But at the same time, if I'm talking about harassment, I'm not going to animate someone actually being horribly harassed because mm-hmm. you don't need to see it. It's not, that's not going to get the point across. And I, I don't, I don't think it's going to do it justice, you know? Yeah. So I prefer to, you know, approach things in a slightly more abstract way and, Maybe with a little bit of lightheartedness, mm-hmm. respectful lightheartedness, respectful mm-hmm. humor. This one, I don't think my animation is that. It almost seems inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not miserable. It's. It's kind of matter of fact, but I guess that's also the approach of this. The whole thing is actually just. It's trying to be honest and open and clear. What is harassment? Here are the things that it is. Let's speak about it openly rather than with shame or with disgust or anger. Let's just be straightforward and logical and. If you feel like you can talk about stuff from a more level playing field in a kind of unbiased place, then maybe it's easier for people to actually talk about. Mm, yeah. That mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, that's really good. It does make sense because I think that by presenting as an unbiased view on it and just saying, you know, this is what it is, then I feel like it creates a safer environment for people to come in and not feel like views are being forced on them, if that makes sense, that they can just come in to purely understand something better. So they're able to maybe be a little more open-minded about taking in another uh, someone else's experience and learning about a topic. Mm. Could you possibly give an example of what that could look like in a video, how you would show harassment or discrimination in a lighthearted way? Yeah. So, for example, I did a video for the School of Life, which was called How Not to Be Angry All the Time. <laughs> and it was basically this film about anger. And I've got, you know, an angry person, but I don't want to just try and animate someone looking really angry. So every time they get angry, they explode into this kind of big scribbly mess mm-hmm. um, and their body morphs and their eyes bulge and their teeth expand. And then suddenly they're, they're sparks and they're scribbles rather than a person. You know, so I think you don't have to be literal when you're talking about stuff like that. Mm. And I think that is for me, at least that's the best way of approaching it is something that doesn't really make any sense because then you can't relate to it. And so you can relate to it. You know, it's it's not so specific that you feel exclude it yeah mm, yeah yeah mm-hmm. i always think if i can show something in an abstract way rather than showing what's actually happening then i'm doing better but also why show the thing that's being said exactly as it's being said you're not really adding anything you know you might as well just listen to the audio mm, if i'm mm. just going to show exactly what they they're speaking about yeah yeah 
That's really good. It reminds me of, um, I think it was Scott McCloud in one of his books. Mm-hmm. I can't remember which one. But he was saying that there's kind of a point at which something is so abstract that it it does become universal because you can reflect yourself in it. You know, you can kind of see yourself mirrored there because it's vaguely familiar. So whether I guess that's familiar in terms of we've all experienced that feeling of just being so angry, you turn into this horrible spiky object or whether it's that kind of simplified face where you recognize that's the face of a person but it has no um attributes sort of connected with it if that makes sense yeah i think we're constantly trying to put faces to things and we're always trying to relate to stuff Mm. i think maybe if, if anything humans just desperately want to oh what's the word not transpose impose you know they want to place themselves onto onto everything mm. so we see something we want to find a way that it relates to us and we want to find a way that that is about our lives so i think you know people are doing the hard job for us yeah yeah we're giving people what they want to see <laughs> you know they're finding they're finding the ways out of it perhaps mm. yeah that's true is there something in particular that really draws you to that sort of i guess documentary or public service announcement genre yeah it's a yes there is so <laughs> i've ended up working in a really specific area of animation which is working in that almost documentaries but kind of social good psychological understanding oneself Mm -hmm. kind of simple explanations of how the human mind works and how society works a little bit and understanding human interactions and things it's this area that I didn't actively seek when I started I just kind of found myself working in and as I did you know one job which led to another job in a kind of similar area it's expanded now that's pretty much what I'm doing all the time is this kind of topic Mm. but I do I really love working in it I'm really fascinated by people. I don't think you can be an animator if you're not, you know, intrigued by humans. Yes. You just want to watch them. But I've always been quite analytical and I love trying to analyse my feelings and other people's feelings. And so these projects where I'm learning more about why humans behave the way we do is something that intrigues me massively. Mm. It's just a topic, you know, I, I could talk about why we behave in certain ways for hours. It really excites me. So I think that naturally is something that I'm I'm just keen to animate. Also, I think I feel like there's a huge culture at the moment of bringing out animations which talk about mental health, talk about psychology. It's just massive on the internet. People are constantly bringing out these videos and I think they're hugely beneficial because they do actually help you understand yourself a little bit. So being able to produce those videos myself, I feel like I'm doing something positive. I feel like when I put a video out there, it's possibly going to help people understand themselves a little bit i know that my degree film i got a lot of people saying they really identified with those feelings of anxiety or insecurity or it was a range of things and a lot of different people related to it it gives me a good feeling every time i know that someone might have felt recognized Mm -hmm. how were you approached for your first documentary style job i think people saw my degree film and recognized um, a sense of you know, observing humans. And maybe it's not a documentary at all, but it is a trying to understand people and watching. And perhaps that led to the tone a little bit of some other things I worked on. I know that one film I worked on quite early on, which was um, a book trailer for The Memory Illusion by Julia Shaw, who's who I'm working with now on, on this Talk to Spot project. She actually gave me the job. She got in touch with me and she thought that I had worked with David Trigley. But I, I haven't worked with David Trigley but my tutor at uni, Chris Shepherd, he'd done a lot of work with David Trigley and she got in touch and was like, oh, you've worked with David Trigley? And I said, actually, I really I haven't. Um, I know people that have, but I haven't. And she was like, oh, well, you know, maybe I like your work anyways. So maybe we can talk about it. So <laughs> nice. <if> anything, <laughs> that was an accident, but it worked fine. Um, so and that was about false memories, implanting false memories into people's head and how we are very capable of making things up, of believing things that didn't happen did happen. So that fit that tone. And I think perhaps that led on to a School of Life video, um, my How Not To Be Angry one, and that led on to a few different ones with the RSA. So it kind of spiralled. But I would say maybe maybe it was the memory illusion, which ultimately I got by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> One of those happy accidents. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was a very happy accident. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking hearing 
you know, the type of work that you like to make and what you personally like and are interested in. I think it's really cool and inspiring that it just seems that the journey of you and your work has really been coinciding with mm-hmm. with what you like. <laughs> I, I don't know. And I just, yeah. I, just, I just think that's really nice. Yeah, I, feel, yeah, I think that's, I see it as some hugely lucky break that I don't quite know how I ended up with that. But um, <laughs> it definitely, it does fit perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like with something like that, it's just like one of those things you look up, you say thank you, and then you're like, and then you just yeah. keep moving forward. <laughs> exactly. I don't think too much about it. And All right. <laughs> you're just like, yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. No, I do. I feel quite surprised that it's ended up or ended up makes it sound like I've been doing it forever and this is it and it's nearly (laughs) over but the way that it's panning out at this very early stage is is yeah with some really cool topics Mm -hmm. love it I just had a thought along those lines have you ever been approached for a project that doesn't necessarily chime with your beliefs or your interests so I don't think I've I've ever been offered something that I've thought, oh God, I can't morally work on this. This is against all my beliefs. That that hasn't <laughs> happened yet. And I like to think I would turn it down on principle, <sighs> but I've definitely got offered work that I don't feel is necessarily, um, for me, it's not pushing something that I feel is important. Right. But I've not, no, I've not, I've never been approached with something I'm totally against. The jobs that I'm approached with that I am against are just ones where they're expecting something very unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Like someone asked, mm-hmm. someone asked if I could do. Um, maybe this isn't funny if you're not an animator, but <laughs> someone asked if I could do a project for them, and it would be between 12 and 45 minutes long. <laughs> I don't even know where. To, how many years of my life do you want me to spend on this? <laughs> how much do you expect me to charge for that? <laughs> That's quite a big range between 12 and 45. <laughs> Especially for one animator working on their own. I mean, that's literally whether I spend three years or 20 years. You know? <laughs> oh my goodness, that's amazing. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. I think it's possibly the best request I've ever heard. <laughs> I had no idea. I honestly had no idea how to respond. I think I gave them a quote for about three minutes mm-hmm. nice and then just let them figure out that what they were asking wasn't very realistic but that job didn't go <laughs> <laughs> that's great that's understandable <laughs> yeah i feel like and I, and I think it comes from a, i'm sure it comes from a very innocent place but I, I feel like if you don't necessarily work in animation or haven't worked with someone in animation before it's very easy to assume that 45 minutes of animation might be able to uh it's easy, yeah. Yeah, yeah maybe a little <sighs> asterisk. <laughs> yeah, really, actually, people don't understand the process. I think people think we've got so much technology now, surely animation's quick, mm. mm-hmm. you know? Surely it's easy, surely you can just... Definitely people are surprised when I do say, no, I draw these pictures. Most of them I've drawn by hand each frame. Sometimes I rotate a frame, but Photoshop has its limits. So, And I work with a large Cintiq and I'm drawing because I animate pretty much exclusively on photoshop these days um and it's really it is that hand-drawn it's the same old process it always was and so it takes forever Mm -hmm. yeah and i do have to do have to explain that quite often yeah i feel like like part of me feels like maybe just thinking back to when i was younger and because like i really didn't understand much about animation until i got to college really and before i think when you watch something that's animated it all just feels so real because it's all so put together even if it is something that's more simplified or more abstract it just all feels real and complete so you don't really at least for me i I wouldn't really think about it wouldn't really click just how much that you'd have to create all every single element in there i just kind of assumed that it was if that makes sense so maybe (laughs) you don't imagine that someone could bother yeah no yeah exactly you're just like no that just has to exist or be easier or something because you know that's just like you gotta be crazy (laughs) you gotta be crazy to go into animation (laughs) i never ever thought i would go into animation though if if you told me as a as a child or a teenager that i draw the same picture every day i would not have believed it at all (laughs) you look at them and go you're crazy like you'd actually want to do that Who would? Who would? I still wonder now why I've got into it sometimes. But I'm just colouring in for hours and hours and I realise I've done like two seconds all day. I really think, why did I take this on? I should find a different job. 
Kind of on the on the topic of your process now that you've got into it and obviously animating frame by frame, your style's still got that really sort of hand-drawn feel to it, which is really lovely. What is it, do you think, about your style that you feel works particularly well for sort of documentary and PSA-type projects? I think maybe that it's, as you said, it's a bit more hand-drawn looking and it's, again, probably going back to the whole you can't relate to it too specifically. Mm-hmm. So you can relate thing that it's not intimidating, perhaps. It's hard for me to say because, you know, it, I almost can't see my style. I can see the similarities, but... I probably can't view it in the way that other people can. Um, but mm. I think it's fairly unthreatening. And I think perhaps there's an element of childlike qualities, you know, with the scribbliness. Yeah. I like to draw things as badly as I can. I really, I put effort <laughs> into drawing them. I, I don't like it when I've drawn something fairly well because it never looks very good. But when I've drawn something that looks a bit rubbish, that's when I think it looks the best. <sighs> that's so good. So perhaps that's, you know, maybe it feels comforting or just not scary perhaps yeah like very approachable yeah yeah maybe i mean i don't know but it's it's so hard to know when it's your own thing yeah i guess because you're just kind of making and you're quite close to it i suppose rather than Mm. and i don't i feel like i don't i do it by accident really you know i plan everything and i i create it but ultimately i think the good stuff just happens and i didn't you know it's oh i guess that happened that way and I quite like it. Oh, I put that in the wrong place, but actually I like that. You know, yeah. I feel like it's um, a process where things are accidentally happening and it's unexpected and those are the good bits. Yeah. I almost don't feel that in control of it. That's really interesting. That's really cool. Yeah, I'm trying to place this thought that I've just had right a second out into my head. I think when I'm feeling positive and confident in creating something, then I don't really have to think about it too much. And that's when I'll draw something in it I don't feel like I have that much control. I'm just kind of guessing all the time. But when I have the right attitude to go and guess and I just go, I have a feeling I'm going to draw this hand and I don't really know what I'm going to draw it like, but I just think it's going to go well this time. And then I put, you know, the thumb's too big and the nails are in the wrong place, but it kind of works. That's when I'm pleased with things. That's when I feel like me and the kind of thing that I'm trying to grasp are working together. But when I'm really specifically trying to draw something a very accurate way and I want it to look like this and I want it to look like that, that's when I just can't do it, you know? Mm-hmm. So it has to be this kind of happy, maybe not an accident, but just expecting that it'll go well enough and feeling positive about doing it and enthusiastic, you know, and enjoying it. That's a really, really nice approach. I feel like that's probably a good approach for most things in life as well. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Even if I could just get it for animation all the time, it would be amazing. <laughs> but if you could have that attitude, I mean... I don't have that attitude all the time, unfortunately. <laughs> I wish I did, but <laughs> me neither. Yeah, you could always kind of just go, I'm going to approach this with a level of confidence, but also just see what happens and not feel too precious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That'd be a great way to live your life. Yeah, yeah that's really nice. I'd like to have that attitude. <laughs> It'd be really on good. On a daily oh. basis. Right, just all the time. It's like, this is going to be great. <laughs> unfortunately, we are human, but fortunately, we're also human. So at least we get it sometimes. <laughs> that's. That's such a nice way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, we are. I was um I was talking with a family friend one time. It just and I, I, it was just one of those things where I was like, oh, this is just things are just hard sometimes, you know. Da, da, da. And she's like, oh, here you go. And she reached into her pocket and held out her hand like she was holding something. And I was like, what, what's this? And she's like, oh, it's your human card. Here, just take this and put it in your pocket and uh, just pull it out whenever you need to, rem- to remind yourself. Oh, and I was and I was like, thank you. Ever. <laughs> uh, that meant a whole lot to me, so I remember that every now and then. I just got to pull out your do you, human. Do you remember that in the right moments when you need a human card? Is that I, when you think, "Oh, it's my human card"? I do actually. Yeah, like, uh, like especially then, like you know, sometimes you can do a project crunch, and sometimes, sometimes it'll be late at night, or even just like you're trying to hit the deadline, or like you said, you want to get the design right. And I'll be like, oh, man, this is just difficult. And, you know, like, if you're not in the right frame of mind, you'd be like, oh, no, like, why can't I do it? And then it's like, yes, you can. It's okay. Remember, you're a human. You'll get through it. And I'm like, human card. And it's, uh, it's really That's good. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I think I had a similar realization recently that, um, you know, animation, as you guys know, is painfully, horribly, awfully slow. You know, you can't do short hours and be an animator. Or you, mm. you can't work four hours a day and, and get a film done. And I think I only realized a couple of months ago, really, that actually 
this seems so obvious it's a really creative job which is the most obvious statement in the whole world and I'm drawing films but I always think of it as something you have to sit down and just do and just produce and you need to just make a storyboard and you need to just draw the frames and animating a person is just drawing a body in the right angles and the right shapes but actually it's really not it's kind of emotionally exhausting and you do have to be in the right frame of mind for it Mm-hmm. I can't I can't storyboard unless I'm in a very specific zone where I'm just absorbed by the topic and I'm excited and I want to push ideas and I want to communicate something and I want to be playful. Unless I'm in that very specific thing, then I, I can't get the ideas out and, you know, the rest of the project's going to be affected if I'm feeling a bit sleepy when I'm doing it or if I'm feeling just not very interested. You know, you have to be mm-hmm. kind of really emotionally involved. And the same for animating a character. You have to be convinced about what you're actually animating you have to be feeling what that character's feeling at that moment it is tiring and it does require a lot of creative energy which is really hard to keep up for eight hours a day you know um Mm, so you've mm, got to I've realized recently that I can't always design when I need to design I can't always storyboard when I need to storyboard I can't always do character animation the only thing I can always do is coloring, but I don't like doing it. But, <laughs> you know. but Chelsea, it's but, therapy. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm sorry. sorry. I'm going mad, actually. It was therapy. <laughs> but I feel like, yeah, I've just learned recently that it's okay to forgive myself when I can't do those things because it's exhausting mm. and it's tiring to be creative all the time. Yeah. Which sounds like, the, you know, that's, probably the best problem to have is oh i have to be creative so much it's so tough (laughs) (laughs) just like draped over a sofa with a hand on the forehead (laughs) you know if i i just got to find other things i can do if i can't do that one bit Mm. but that's yeah just forgiving yourself the the human card that you know yeah how do you kind of capitalize on those sort of good creating mindsets I suppose or or how do you kind of get yourself into that zone when you're not immediately feeling it when I'm not immediately feeling it it's very hard (laughs) to yeah make myself um do you just kind of walk away from it and just leave that section for later a little bit yeah I try not to um I think you have to I have to change my attitude so I might for example if I really need to do a storyboard and there's no way that I can do something else I might step away from the computer or I might go and watch a load of really beautiful animations that make me want to be a better animator, mm-hmm. you know, or I might listen to some music that makes me, although listening to music makes me want to write music, which isn't good for storyboarding. <laughs> um, and dancing makes me want to dance. So I have to do something that's vaguely related, but, or, you know, I go and I look at an illustrator's work. I just try and take inspiration, not so much looking for actual visual references, but more I want to see people who are doing stuff that inspires me and people who are pushing what they can do mm. and are playful with their ideas. And then I see that and I go, oh, they've sat down, they've got excited about that job and they've thought, how can I make this the best thing that I could possibly do? And then thinking about other people doing that makes me realise I want to be a good animator and I want to be a good director. And that kind of changes my frame of mind enough usually to then put me in the right zone for doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But other times you just have to go and get a coffee and, you know except that you have to find something else that day <laughs> to yeah. maybe yeah. colouring if you can um, or emails or no. <laughs> yeah it's interesting it's like I used to play piano when I was a teenager and I just remember when I had to learn a particular piece for like a, a piano exam or something and I just wasn't getting it at all if I just like you say just stepped away from it because it just wasn't happening if I just stepped away from it and came back to it even just an hour later I'd try and play through it again and it would usually work a lot better than it did the first time around and it's just not even from thinking about it or anything yeah your brain needs time to refresh I I mean another thing that I've realized is if I'm working late in the evening and if if I've got a big maybe not an immediate deadline but if I know I've got a lot of stuff to get done in the next week or the next handful of days and it's late-ish in the evening or maybe eight or nine you know not very late but I'm still working Mm. I do work late probably too much and I have the occasional all-nighter but only just before a deadline Um, of course (laughs) but (laughs) I have more all-nighters now than I did in uni which I don't and this is work-related all-nighters I don't think it's a good thing but you know I'm working on time management but um I think I used to be at a point where I'd go oh well I'll you know I'll keep working till midnight but actually sometimes finishing work at six in the evening which I think is when everyone should be finishing but Mm. even if you've got loads to be doing sometimes and you're really stressed making myself stop 
finish earlier, go home, chill out. I'll feel so much better. And then the next morning I will do so much more than I possibly could have done in that four hours of feeling sleepy and a bit rubbish. And, you know, yeah, just taking a break. So good for you. That's really true. Yeah. You have to take care of yourself because then it also it takes care of you emotionally and you feel refreshed and it's rejuvenating. Yeah. Mm. I think also that feeling overly tired or like I said, the kind of rubbish if you're not careful and if you repeat that a lot, it can start to feel like the animation is a punishment almost because you're like, I just want to go to bed, but I can't, I got to animate. So I think finding and setting those limits for yourself so that you can go and just do your thing and relax, go and get a coffee and sort of indulge in yourself helps both maintain your own emotional health and sanity, but it also helps maintain the um, kind of like joy of creating that you experience when you do animate. Mm. Yeah, that's such a good point. Animation is such a good job to have. It seems ridiculous that you know, you can get into a point where you actually, as you said, you kind of resent it or you feel like it's the punishment and it's the thing you don't want to do. You know, the idea that I could ever not like my job is kind of awful, really. Mm-hmm. And so, but you can, if you're if you're too involved in something, you stop appreciating it, but we should be totally appreciating it because it's such a wonderful creative thing to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that perspective and a bit of change of that. Yeah. It's, it's so it's nice. Really it's really good true. stuff. Animation is a joy. Yeah. It is a joy that I don't appreciate all the time, but it's a joy. (laughs) I've been asking a lot of people if they love their job all the time, and I don't think any human actually does. No. No. (laughs) I think think if anyone did, I think they would be, like, lying. Oh, (laughs) I was going to say the outlier, but I also agree. I think they'd be lying. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I get excited about jobs because I feel like I'm playing with something that I enjoy, and it's something... I want to push and it's so important to feel excited about what you're doing yeah and Mm -hmm. to remember that you go into animation because you like it because there's something about it that you find satisfying or curious or you know it's a challenge and it's keeping that perspective and keeping that mindset that that's why you're doing it Mm. yeah yeah so I have a question that's sort of a little bit of an offshoot of this, but earlier when you were talking about when you go to design or animate, you know, like with the example of the hand, you don't use, you know, you don't know necessarily how it will turn out. With that, you're working with and sort of collaborating with clients on these videos and, you know, you're also directing them and animating them. How do you balance your vision with their vision? Is it a constant back and forth or do they let you do your thing and you've established trust with them? Could you walk us through that sort of collaborative process with your clients? Yeah, so um, I'm very lucky in that my clients generally come to me with the idea that I'm going to direct something that is in some way similar to what they've seen before. So they're looking for my take on it. Um, Nice. And as a result, it's amazing because actually most of my clients are so open to my ideas. They're really supportive of the different things that I do. And usually it's the kind of, I'm sending constant, how do you like this? How do you like this? But most of the time they're really actually kind of let me go for what I think is appropriate, which is such a luxury because I know it could be so different. I have very few problems in that area. My clients are just so easy to work with. But you said keeping their vision in mind and my vision. I am working on other people's ideas and I'm working with topics that I don't really know about very much. And so it is important that I combine what they're saying and the visual that I'm trying to add to it. Mm. So I've got a kind of a way of approaching briefs that I think maybe takes that on board. For me, it's really, really important to have a strong concept with everything that I do, every film. The uni that I went to, Kingston, was an illustration and animation course. I specialise in animation and it was really concept driven. So we were always just being told to push our ideas and have a justification for why we were making design choices or editing choices. You know, don't do things just for the sake of it looking nice. Do things because there's a reason. So I've, I've kind of kept that attitude of always making sure that I'm approaching each brief in a way that adds to the concept and adds to their vision rather than just depicting it, as I said before, or rather than just doing something that will look nice alongside it. I want it to improve upon it and to mm. get the point across more. So each project, I have a kind of fun moment at the beginning where I think, how can I get this animation, the actual techniques that I use, how can that relate to this theme? So 
literally how can I animate in a way that is embodying exactly what the message is for example in my RSA film about intensity versus consistency the idea was that you can have two attitudes in life one is you make large bold intense actions and they make big bold changes or you can have small consistent efforts you know daily very little things that add up and over time make changes And the gist of the film is it's far better to make a daily effort and a daily attitude change than to just go and throw big things and hope that they're going to do something amazing. Mm -hmm. So I decided within that film, everything that's talking about intensity is going to be a colourful, bold drawing that's quite limited animation. It's going to be intense and it's not going to have much consistent effort put in, but it will be dramatic. And then everything that's talking about consistency is going to be a line drawing. It's not going to be as big and bold and beautiful, but it's going to have every frame animated. It's going to be a small, consistent effort for every frame. So Mm -hmm. each style was reflecting what is being narrated. And that, for me, it gives me, not only it means that I I feel like the kind of concept and the the script and the visuals tie in together more, but also it it gives me a bit of a limit design-wise, which I think is really important. And it gives me somewhere to work from to then animate. Mm-hmm. We're doing another one with the Royal Society of Arts about artificial intelligence and the kind of ethical issues behind AI, which is such a good topic. I'm so excited to work on. This sounds really interesting. Yeah, yeah. so interesting. Particularly, it's looking at areas of criminal justice and because AI is being used in so many different ways. And I've been reading all sorts about it and getting very inspired. But I thought for that project, you know, again, every project, I'm basically just, I have a blank canvas and I'm told to draw something to go with these words. (laughs) That's quite a large brief. Ultimately, that's what every job is. And that's too much option. That's way too much option. Mm. So I like to limit, limit it. So for this one, my approach that I've been thinking about is um, I want to see how much artificial intelligence can influence my design choices. So I've already started doing a few kind of color designs using um, an online AI bot that picks color schemes for you based on your own preferences. I want to, I've got this idea, I'm wondering if I can kind of write the script and I want to assign I want to make patterns out of the script, right? So Uh I want to, for each sentence, I like the idea that you could plot on a graph whether that sentence, or you could give it a number for um, whether it's factual or more subjective, whether it's a long sentence or a short sentence, whether it has tricky words, whether it's more simple words, whether it's a scary sentence or a funny sentence, and kind of give those measurements and then use the different measurements to relate to colour choices, for example, or... If it's a funny sentence, then I only use this part of the screen. If it's a a difficult, scary sentence, then I use this colour. And to see how I can kind of limit my own inputs and let bots or AI or whatever tools I can find make those choices for me. Mm -hmm. That is amazing. But I I can't program yet. I've got this idea that I hire a composer and I get them to make... See, I, I cannot program anything and this really requires quite a lot I think I I finish animation I get a composer I get them to make a series of audio sounds that all fit along a backing track and then I write some AI bot thing (laughs) see I can't even I don't even know the words let alone how to make this that maybe it could look at my animation and it could make a note of every time there's a triangle, triangular shape on the screen or every time a certain amount of pixels are yellow or every time this or that and it plots it all out and then it individually assigns those different things it has picked out to the different audio clips and then that, it plays them. You know, like that, that's the kind of that's thing I want to play cool. with. Wow. That, um, yeah, so, so that's... A, that sounds really <laughs> cool, like, yep. really inspiring. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's a great idea. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I think you can do a lot with it. I'm really interested to see what you do. And wow. So you said that you've been reading up a lot on AI to inspire yourself for the project. How do you, you know, they they give you the words and they say, make pictures for this, please. And you're like, Mm -hmm. cool. How do you research the topic so that your drawings may improve upon the topic? It depends on the project. For example, this one about AI, I've been reading quite a bit about it, um, partially because I want to actually learn more about it because it is you know the ethical dilemmas behind AI are fascinating Mm -hmm. and so it's an interest it is an area that really interests me but other jobs it's harder to read up on and sometimes quite often I'm just using the information that they're giving me as my information but how do I research in order to 
I think that probably ties down to this idea of always just using the concept as the thing that is informing my decisions. So as long as I know that I'm keeping my concept strong in the design process and in the storyboarding process, I feel like that kind of keeps me on a track that aligns with them rather than just getting too caught up in trying to make something look pretty or um, trying out a bit of animation I fancy trying out for a while. As long as I keep on going back and forth and thinking, does this tie in? Is this related to it? That's a way that I can keep myself on the right path. That makes a lot of sense. So not getting too technical with it, just going back to the idea of that sort of more universal concept of what they're talking about, I think. Yeah. Cool. That's really good. I guess kind of maybe following on from that a bit, how do you see your approach to animation now compared with Jossie from two years ago? Do you feel your approach to animation has changed or adjusted in any particular way? If anything, I'd say I'm just more aware of what I'm doing now. I'm really passionate about keeping the concept important. Perhaps I'm slightly more aware of the work I'm producing as a bigger picture, you know, having this same tone in everything I produce. I mean, the same kind of emotional tone rather than visual tone, Mm -hmm. keeping the morals and things in line. Also, perhaps I think there's a pro and a con maybe to my attitude changing in the last two years in that I have been pretty much solidly directing since we spoke two years ago. And I think perhaps now when I've approached a project, I probably have slightly more confidence in, you know, knowing that I can get stuff done, Mm -hmm. which means my ideas perhaps are more free and having already created a small body of work, I think I feel slightly less pressure to have every job being the only job I'll ever get. Mm. I don't know if you guys feel the same, but sometimes when you get a new project, you just think, I've got to do the best job that has ever been done on this project ever oh, because totally. it's my only chance to do a good job. Yep. Um, and I, I still always want to do the best job I can ever do for that project. But it's for that project now. It's not, I don't have as much of a panic that it's not going to be the best thing I ever produce in my whole life as long as it's the best job I could have done for that, mm. you know? Yeah. So I think maybe I just have a slightly more, I'm slightly freer in the sense that I can get enjoyment out of each different thing that I'm working with and each different theme rather than worrying so much but at the same time there's similarity in a lot of what I do and I want to push myself and I also think I've got quite a lot of jobs coming up at the moment and one thing that's really important to me is that I am giving a kind of freshness to each job Mm. so I guess one of my goals at the moment that I didn't have two years ago and one of the things that's in the front of my mind is just I don't want to create the same animation for every client that comes along I've got to keep thinking of ways to explore my ideas a bit more and try things out and test stuff and just keep it new, both for people and both for me so that I'm not making the same thing over and over. So yeah, I guess I've got maybe an added freedom that comes with a slight confidence of just knowing I can do it, although I obviously have moments of doubt like everyone, Mm -hmm. but also getting comfortable with something you know, I, I work faster than I used to, so I'm probably more drawn when I've got a fairly tight budget and a tight time constraint, which I think for animation, all budgets and all time constraints feel tight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think I'll ever feel like I have enough time. You know, I know now here's five ways that I can work that will efficiently get that done. Mm. And I something, I, you know, you've got to be careful of is thinking I could do that the most efficient way, but just make sure that I'm not doing it the easy way just for the sake of it. Mm. Yeah. You know, I don't want to get samey. I'd like you... to try a bit of stop motion, I think. I think that's Ooh. my next. I mean, I haven't done any stop motion since uni and I don't know if I've got any of the capabilities and I can't use a camera at all but I think (laughs) I'm just maybe some actual physical drawing on paper I just I'm feeling I'm sure I said this two years ago I'm sure I said it but I'm I'm really (laughs) feeling like it is time to not give Photoshop a break but add something else you know yeah 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 just go for it dude yeah why not it's scary though you know <laughs> but you could do it jesse we believe in you also where do you get those holes in the paper because you need a special hole punch that's my main thing that's holding me back i think it's symbolic of my fear i've just been fixating on how do i hole punch the right holes into that paper no that's totally fair though because there are very specific holes in this oh, hole punch. yeah it's true do you have one of those three peg peg bars or is it a two peg? I don't even think I've got one anymore oh so I could just buy a peg bar that fits to a hole punch yeah I know there's ways around it I'm just it's just all my fears of actually doing physical stop motion or doing hand-drawn on paper animation are being pushed into this one worry about 
hole punches. Mm, that makes sense. <laughs> it's scary. And, and, and also, I don't have a camera. And I mean, how do you take the photos well? Or should you scan them? But then when you scan them, you've got to align them. <sighs> There's so many things to worry about. Basically, you stick, you stick your peg bar onto the scanner. And then you uh, you just, instead of obviously face up when you're drawing them, you just put them face down. That makes so much sense. I didn't oh, know that. So <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so clever. Obvious. You can get two peg peg bars, which just line up with ordinary hole punches <gasps> that we can get over here. Really? Like like a normal, normal hole punch? Really? Yeah. <gasps> you just get one of those hole punches that has one of those like pull out guide things. Yeah. And then it's got the different paper sizes marked on it. And you just go, oh yeah, I'm animating on A4 right now. And then you just line it up to the edge and hole punch it. So it's really not going to be the scary ordeal that I think it is. <laughs> it's going to be great, Jesse. You're going to love it. Uh, I want to animate with some ink. I've just been thinking about it recently. I, just gotta, I don't know how it would work. I've, I've got all these ideas. That I'm not quite sure how I'm going to do them, but I think I should probably do them. I think you should. Yeah. Oh, that'd be cool. be really good. The job that I'm considering doing it for but don't hold me to this, is I'm doing um, a book trailer. So Julia Shaw, who I did the memory illusion for and who I work with on Talk to Spot, is bringing out a book called Making Evil, The Science Behind Humanity's Dark Side. Oh. And it's, I know, it's such a good title. So it's all about what is evil and is anyone capable of being evil? Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know, in my head, I'm just seeing ink. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just want to kind of get a light box and just draws scratchy horrible scary characters and then i haven't thought even how to animate them i'm not really sure i just think of animate <laughs> little parts of the image oh that'd be really good again how can the medium be evil when mm, is it, when's yeah. when is the ink evil and when is it being nice ink and is yeah. it watered down when it's evil and i think it would be maybe it's more drippy when it's evil maybe i add water and i make a huge mess and then that's the kind of <laughs> chaos descending madness mm-hmm. Ooh, also, so speaking of like working on projects and things, do you have any fun personal projects that you're doing at the moment? I actually don't. I was kind of coming up with film ideas a couple of months ago and I was getting really excited and I was reading some uh, quite a few books about directing and about, st- uh, well, mo- mostly about writing stories. Um, oh. Which ones did I read? So there's three and one I haven't finished, which were all actually recommended by my neighbor who makes films, who's been good at sending books my way and a friend of mine who writes plays. So I can't take credit. One (laughs) is Save the Cat. Oh, yeah. Which is about screenwriting. It just has a kind of really simple, great breakdown of it's quite formulaic of how to make a film in the book it basically says this is the only way that you ever make anything and it's always 100% like this maybe it's not maybe it is maybe it's more for features I don't know but there were so many moments in that book that that's the first ever book I've read on filmmaking maybe I should have read more I don't know but there were so many so many moments in the book all these Oh, it's so obvious moments. Oh, you know? like these really like, um, nice aha. Like, yeah, exactly. So, so many good. aha moments. And even things like there's this whole bit about, I think it's called, is it called a log line? Oh, yeah. This is such, and this is such a basic thing for filmmaking that I just had no clue, but it's before you make a film, write a log line, write a sentence or two sentences explaining the film. And then there's all these different ways to actually not just write a person goes into a bar and then they have a dance and then they go home. But all these different kind of little rules about writing a good logline that not only makes a film sound interesting, but also teaches you what your film's about. But there were so many things in, like that in that book. Oh, that's so good. And then, so good. yeah, I'd, I'd read that one. Save the Cat by Blake Schneider. And then also How Not to Make a Short Film. Ooh. Secrets from a Sundance Programmer by Roberta Marie Monroe. And that... That one was quite interesting as well. A lot of stuff geared towards live action, but I mean, also just a lot of interesting things. And also good points about entering into film festivals, which is something I don't do. Well, I haven't done recently, but interesting. Mm -hmm. And then the one that I haven't started yet, but this was recommended by my friend who writes plays, is Into the Woods by John York. And that's how stories work and why we tell them. Yeah, so they're all about script writing, you know, the actual filmmaking process, not so much about animation, but... I was reading those and getting really inspired. I'd really like to produce another personal short soon. Mm. And then I, I've been coming up, trying to come up with ideas since I made my last film four years ago. Mm. Uh, but I had moments of getting really excited and thinking, oh, this concept, I think that works. And I was going to play around with the structure of a film. And I had this idea of collecting moments from my life and kind of organizing that into an abstract film. I was thinking about how you can play with, with the kind of the composition 
to show different states. I don't know. I quite like to make something about mental health again because mm-hmm. it's something I'm interested in. And I, I was just getting really excited. I was jotting down lots of ideas. And then, of course, I had my, oh, this has been done a million times. Oh, it's just my last film, but rehashed. Oh, it's so awful. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, it's so cliche. And then I got quite a lot of different work offers. Got very excited about that again. And so now I've, I'd really like to make another short film and I want to do it soon. But I got sidetracked by some really cool jobs coming up. Which is good. It's a good reason to be sidetracked. <laughs> but I'd recommend those books if you want a bit of inspiration. Yeah, definitely. They sound really good. I've not read any of them, but... I want to read this last one. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that yeah. last one in particular, like, they, they all sound great, but the Into the Woods one sounds so mm. intriguing, and mm-hmm. I want to buy them all <laughs> and read them yeah. all. <laughs> do, do it, do it. Uh, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. <laughs> also, so I was on Facebook speaking to the note of like whenever you're writing down project ideas and you're like, oh, but it's already been done before. Da, da, da. Yeah. I saw there's a Facebook post being shared around talking about that because it was saying something to the effect of like, sure, everything's been all stories haven't told before, but we haven't heard your version of the story yet. Mm-hmm. And I really liked it. And yeah. it was really good. I, I think that's a good problem to have in terms of jobs coming in and because maybe that'll also give time for, right? And then that'll also give time for your personal projects to like, ruminate mm. you know and maybe the idea will grow and yeah. finally come out by the end of it the idea that when you've got something in the back of your mind if you got excited about it before if you can just keep it somewhere close enough that you can pop back to it hopefully things will maybe yeah mm-hmm. yeah definitely but you can't a- rely on that that's what i do about some things like oh one day i'm gonna write loads of songs and then it's been seven years so you know <laughs> you can't yeah. just wait for things to happen for too long <laughs> true yeah i was just thinking of it like um like it's not a very magical image but like composting <laughs> or like you know you like with gathering ideas and everything you're gathering everything up and like putting it all together and letting it sit there so that you'll have the the dirt and the fertilizer for you know to really foster the seed of a good idea smelly that yeah, is, I think that actually smell, is, yeah. well, actually, no, it gets smelly, but then it gets not smelly. <laughs> True, yeah, then it gets not smelly, because you know, it's just been sitting there for so long, but like, which is fine. <laughs> but you got but you got to do something with the compost, or else it's just going to be, you know, like, semi-smelly dirt that's been sitting there for a long time. <laughs> so, my music definitely is semi-smelly dirt at the moment, but I like that as a visual, because also, I, does compost last in the right conditions? I reckon I, it would last a while, so maybe... I think it does. Maybe just add to it a little bit, it probably is fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a great, that's a great analogy. That really <laughs> and it provides a great environment for other creatures to thrive. Aww. So it's not just sitting there doing nothing. True. All the creative things are living in my brain compost. It's oh. helping out everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a great little ecosystem. That's so nice. <laughs> brain compost. So good. I'm, I think I should draw that for you guys. Oh, man, go for Oh, I just love the idea of like smelly brain dirt that's been sitting there for a while. That you can do really cool stuff with. So like just feel like sprinkling this over some stuff. <laughs> Trying to get a bit of this and whoop, throw it on there. Yeah. <laughs> We've covered so many things. It's just always so nice, like talking with you. Yeah, it's been really, really good and really insightful as well. Do you have any other projects on the horizon that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I've got a really exciting project starting this month. So I don't know if you guys saw the um, New York Times did a series called Conception, which came out a few months ago. And it was a six part series, six different animators or studios. And each person did a film about difficult subjects surrounding conception. So things like not being able to conceive there was one about being a transgender parent. Um, there were just unusual situations and things that aren't as often talked about mm-hmm. around the theme of conception. Um, and the first series was brilliant. Absolutely loved it. But I'm just being asked to do the first episode of the second series. <gasps> Congratulations! And that's, they're kind of expanding. It's still conception, but they're expanding a bit more around parenting, which is something I have no idea about. So again, it's something I'm not going to get any hands-on learning in that. <laughs> Just yet, but um, <laughs> but you know, I'm I'm really excited to see what kind of topic I'm going to get for that, and 
yeah I'm, I'm feeling very good about that one. Oh, that's so exciting that's amazing yeah really exciting job because i was so inspired by the ones that i saw before mm. definitely worth checking out because they're gorgeous films yeah I, I hadn't heard of that but uh I, I just googled it and the thumbnails all look really yeah beautiful on the top oh it just sounds so good and, and i got them um, but i had a bit of a nightmare with them um, so i've just been to cuba and they emailed me whilst i was out in cuba and mm. i got the email saying you know would you maybe like to work on this second series i was like yes oh my god absolutely of course <laughs> um and so we had a few emails back and forth and then the day i was flying back from cuba i got food poisoning the night before <gasps> and then i had to fly but then i had to fly to paris instead of london then i had to get two coaches and they'd messaged me saying um we'll just confirm in a few days probably you've got it but we'll let you know and i had this flight home and this journey and i was completely worn out and i got back and i hadn't got an email from them and two weeks went by and I had been avoiding sending them a follow-up email because I was scared they were going to reject me. Um, so a couple of days ago, I was like, right, I'm, I really need to actually ask them about this. So I got in contact and they'd sent a confirmation email two weeks before saying, would you like the job? And I hadn't seen it. But I hadn't seen it. And so I hadn't replied to them for two weeks. And I just had this, oh my God, if I've just lost a job with the New York Times... I didn't reply to an email for two weeks. I think I'd be oh. so mortified. <laughs> oh, no. Like a morning of panic because they're obviously there behind us time-wise. Mm -hmm. Thinking I've just potentially lost this because I didn't check my emails well enough. But luckily they were still happy for me to do it, which is a massive relief. That's um, nice. So, but I was very worried. I called up my mum and I was hoping that she'd just be calm and say, Josie, it's fine. They'll, you know, two weeks for them is nothing. But I was like, mum, I might have just lost the job because I didn't check an email. And she went, no. <laughs> in my career as I am so mm -hmm. oh that's so good but I'm excited I'm gonna be working with a friend a friend's gonna be animating with me which is really nice oh yay so, yes I'm very excited about that one. Oh, that'll be so good that's so exciting it's the dream work yeah <laughs> that's wonderful so was this just another word of mouth job I think they saw so I got a staff pick on my RSA short the intensity versus consistency one I think they saw that usually staff picks I've got two before and yeah, I just got my second one and they usually get quite a lot of interest. So I think that's, you know, because mm -hmm. obviously just a lot of people see them if they if they get that. So I think that's how mm -hmm. they saw it. And this is on this is on Vimeo, right? Just to... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, Vimeo cool. Pick. Yeah. So I think it was that, which, you know, is also so exciting when I got picked for that. You know, it's such a it's like such a lovely kind of positive endorsement and it makes you feel it's like an, it feels like a real achievement yeah maybe maybe it's not a big deal for some people no i think it's maybe a big deal for everyone just i think it's a pretty yeah. big deal i think it's yeah. a huge deal and i think it's really exciting and i'm really excited for you and i just want to wish you all the luck with it because it'll be amazing yeah. <laughs> no it is it's a massive deal to me that's why that you know maybe that's something nice that all animators even if you're a really big maybe if you're a big company maybe still be really excited about a staff pick yeah you know still if i was a big company i still celebrate a staff pick right just as much like, as i celebrate it now. just be like look around like guys we did it yeah. get out of the campaign it just means that it's really resonating with people which is really yeah. good yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah man yeah jossie huge congratulations you're gonna do a fantastic job and yeah can't wait to see what you do i like that yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, that's super cool yeah Wow, I guess that kind of brings us to the end of our catch-up interview. I love, I really love talking to you guys. It, oh, it makes me feel very inspired and excited and ready to tackle all my my animation projects with the right attitude. Oh yeah, oh, cool. yeah. yeah. Mm. So Jossie, where can listeners find you on the interwebs? They can find me at jossiejuritz.com or on Instagram. I'm Josie Dritz and on Tumblr I'm Josie Dritz and on Twitter I'm Josie Dritz and on Vimeo I'm Josie Dritz so <laughs> that as long is... as you can spell it the right way it's always that lovely that's so fortuitous that it's all the same I know that, that branding is on point is what it is <laughs> <laughs> well it's a good thing is no one else has that name so, so that's J-O-C-I-E J-U-R-I-T-Z Jossie and also not Josie you guys always get it right but just it's very important to me I introduce yeah. myself and I say hi I'm Josie and then they say Josie 
Oh, oh it's the way that I said it. <laughs> like, no, I got it right. <laughs> even, even when you say it to them, just it's Josie. And they're like, Josie? Like, no. Josie? <laughs> Jesse? <laughs> like, Fred? Josie? Like, no. Fred? <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us, Josie. It's been an absolute joy having you with us today and catching up. Oh, thank you for talking to me. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's great to talk to you guys. Likewise. I'm really good. got like my excitement levels to animate and for animation. Yeah. I know, yeah. <laughs> and excited about animating. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Thanks for being awesome, Josie. Laughter is the best. Yes. Thank you for being awesome. Aww. Everybody <laughs> awesome. a good episode right jam-packed jossie is just so thoughtful and curious and radical fusing her art and animation together you know sort of applying those fine art thoughts to our favorite medium is brilliant and i really love her courage for just giving it a go and reveling in the bad art the things that aren't fully polished that maybe i will maybe i won't use animation principles like wow it just creates so much freedom i also really love her commitment to social good in her professional work as well i love that she's pushing her animation as playfully as she can in that area in order to create those safe spaces that kind of sensitive touch and that sort of visual harmony or symbiosis that plays so nicely with the subject matter i think it's just wonderful and on top of that, I don't know about you, but it was brilliant to get such an insight into her process with client briefs. She just allows herself the opportunity to explore within them as well as she lays out the groundwork for each project. It's an integral part of her creative process. So we'll have links to all of Jossie's stuff in the blog post associated with this episode at diyanimation.show forward slash diya14. That's one four, the number 14. And her New York Times video that she was talking about on conception and parenting has just been released. So go and congratulate her on that as well. It is beautifully moving. And of course, there'll be a link to that in the show notes as well. If there's anything that's really struck you this episode, we and Jossie would love to hear about it. Either leave a comment on this episode's blog post or find us on our new Instagram at DIYA show, on Twitter at DIYA show, and our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash DIY animation show. We should probably also tell you DIYA is back on iTunes. What? Oh my goodness. If you've been with us since the very beginning, you will know the saga we've had with RSS feeds and iTunes and that whole shebang, but it is now all solved. We are on iTunes in exactly the same place as we've always been. So hop over to iTunes, check your subscribed and get every episode downloaded as it's released. And if we could ask a favour, could you also leave us a rating and if you have time, a short review? We would love to be able to let other DIY animators and aspiring animators know that this is the place for them. We get you. It's all good here. So if you're able to do that, thank you. And of course, you'll also still find every episode on SoundCloud and on the site DIYanimation.show if that's how you like to listen and download. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. This has been super fun. You're an absolute riot and I hope you have an awesome day. Our next episode will be a bonus Christmas slash holiday episode. So we'll see you in December for all those holiday vibes. And Jess will be there. Because if she's still working on this project, there's something very wrong. And she and her team needs help. <laughs> It'll be fine. Until then, hit us up on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or the site DIYanimation.show. And say it with me now. Follow your heart and have fun animating! We'll see you next time!
The DIY Animation Show is an indie production from your hosts, Jessica Dahl and Lauren Morse. Our theme music was provided by Azure Flux. Subscribe at DIYanimation.show. If you liked this podcast, maybe you'll enjoy more art and story podcasts from our friends at the Oatly Academy of Visual Storytelling, featuring insights from some of the most inspiring voices in animation, games, biz effects, comics, and children's books. Find them at friendsofdiya.com. We'll see you next time. Bye! I really think, why did I take this on? I should find a different job. Although sometimes I kind of feel like, well, if this is all it is, then it's a pretty good job, really, because you just sit there colouring all day. <laughs> but then sometimes people say, oh, Jossie, have you, um, have you seen those adult colouring books they've brought out? I think, you know, they're really cool and really therapeutic, and oh, that yeah. really irritates me. Oh. I have so many issues with that because... That's the least fun part of my job, and people are doing that as a therapeutic thing. Oh, it just oh, it gets me. It really gets me. Just take out they all your frustrations. They can just come and do my projects every time someone's pissed off. They can just come and work on a film for me. Be fine. <laughs> You're like, just come on over. Like, I got the perfect ther- uh, therapy for you. <laughs> I won't pay you, but you might calm down a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think therapy as opposed to exposure is kind of a nice alternative there. <laughs> Maybe I I was just thinking like what if we start seeing that in like five years? Like, oh just like we can't offer you money, but we can't offer you therapy. <laughs> <laughs> we can't I do for free labor. Yeah. It's really good. I think we could market this as a kind of I think so. I think so I think and it's creative and you're adding to the art world yeah come and color yep. in some frames for us like i gotta get behind this sign me up <laughs> <It's> so good <laughs>